Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism, transphobia, transphobic violence, HIV AIDS, and police brutality. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them, and today's guest is none other than the one, the only, Diamond Styles. Um, from Indiana, Houston-based, uh, but where I'd like to start this conversation, the first trans woman who attended uh, HBCU Jackson State University in Mississippi. Diamond, welcome Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I rarely, I'm usually talking about trans stuff and social justice and all kind of heavy trauma, people getting killed, but now I'm talking about music. Oh, I love it. You're actually not the only, you're not actually not the first one to say that because, you know, <laughs> people have been on their soapboxes, on out in the barricades protesting and not just with recent events, but way before and right. it's just it can be so liberating and relaxing to just talk about some of your favorite tunes um, exactly um just for the record what are your pronouns my pronouns are she her and hers right on so yeah uh the first trans woman who attended h an hbcu you did you know that i only know the existence uh, of an HBCU as a concept because of the Beyonce homecoming show. <laughs> wow, really? Well, yeah. that's because you're not from the United States. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so we the, you know, we're the racism capital of the world. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, um, yes, I'm joking. <laughs> I know it's, I know racism is global. Yeah. But yes, you know, in America, because of um, the history of segregation and the history of disenfranchisement of Black people, we had to actually start our own schools. And so um, schools in America, certain ones are HBCUs, historically Black college and universities, and they're all around the country. And I went to the one in the most conservative state, Mississippi. Right, yeah. And, um, yeah, because that's where my family, my older family is from. Like you're not so just I from the United States, you're also like from the South. Yeah, well, so I'm from Indiana. So oh, Indiana okay. yeah, that's is, not that's like the Midwest. We call that the Midwest. It's not South. Um, and I grew up there in Boston, which is East Coast. And so... But my older family, like my grandmother, my great grandparents, all are from the South, Mississippi. Why yeah. did you decide to go to university in Mississippi? So to make a very long story short, I, I go into detail about the story on my YouTube channel. Um, but I end up I end up being homeless because I got fired because I was trans from a a, 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 a job that I was working at. And so I had my mother and my grandmother had moved to Mississippi because um, I was on my own. I was in my own apartment at 17. So I started at 16, but um, by the time I was 18, I had got fired and um, I had to move in with my mom again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so she was in Mississippi and I went down there and we were in Walnut Grove, Mississippi. So, you know, this was a rural area of Mississippi. And I had never been to a rural area. I'm a city girl, so I've always lived in the city. So, you know, I, I was in the rural area. I mean, so rural that there was like cows walking across <laughs> the street. <laughs> and you had to, you the had street, to stop. Really. 
literally walking across the street and you had to get you had to stop your car get out of the car and push the cow out of the way in order to keep going that kind of rule <laughs> yeah but there again so, you've also got a large difference between the u.s and the netherlands because we just bike around right yes no we have cars yeah we don't <laughs> so so i was in the rural area and it was a it was like 99 the year 2000 and i was so depressed i was like oh my god i cannot be believe i'm gonna be in this country old place <laughs> for the millennial celebration because we all have been waiting for that right yeah. and then um that was you know, it was actually okay. But then I was like, I can't stay here. And the only way for me to get out is to go to this school, which was the closest school. And it was Jackson State University. And I went there. I, I sent an application in. I never even was thinking about college um, because I just was thinking about transition, thinking about getting surgeries done. And But to get out of the rural area that I was in, I applied and I went to school at Jackson State University. So you got to, went to university out of necessity. How did you, how did you look back on that time? Did you do you remember university fondly? There, it was a positive and negative. It was a, um, I was the first trans woman to go, and they put me in a male's dorm. Yeesh. And so think about me, you know, presenting as a woman, um, living in a male's dorm. Like, I mean, the negative part was, you know, that people were trying to attack me. They were trying to throw boiling hot water on me. Yeesh. They were. Um, like literally, like somebody knocked on my door and as I opened it, they tried to throw like boiling water on me, but it didn't hit me because, because they, because it hit the door. But, you know, that's, that's extreme. I had to get in fights. I had issues with um, professors using my old dead name. Um, I, it just was a horrible experience on the negative side, but on the flip side, because I was the first one, I did meet a lot of friends and I had a lot of, um, people who looked up to me. They would call me like the, the LGBT ambassador. And so the, I do feel like because I went there, there was a lot of changes that happened and a lot yeah. of queer folks started to go there and I opened up the door for them to be treated well. And I had to go through the fire in order for them to be treated well now. So much so that some of, some of the people have contacted me from the school and like, you know, we just, we didn't give you the honor that we wanted to give you. Um, well, no, no, not the administration, but people who went oh, to right, school with yeah. me who are, who are, who are, who are currently still a part of the community, maybe in a teaching aspect or in a um, counseling aspect, they contacted me and was like, oh, we need to get you back out here so you can talk about your experience and how much has changed because some of that change, you were a change agent in this school and we have wow. to honor you for that. Yeah, it was amazing. That's impressive. So how, to what extent do you feel like there is some trans tokenism going on? Well, I don't want to say it's... I don't want to because of the person who brought it to me. I don't want to say it's a tokenism. Right. Um, um, yeah, I wouldn't say that this particular situation is tokenism. I feel like it's overdue, and somebody is recognizing Honestly, it. Yeah. And yeah, were there were, were there specific uh, specific soundtracks or songs that got you through uni? Oh gosh. Um, there, college has a particular culture, especially black colleges have a particular culture. Right. And there were songs um, because we were so close to New Orleans. Um, there was New Orleans songs, one called Monkey on the Stick. <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically it was basically like a 
a group dance that you do, like the guy, um, it's called it's bounce music, and the guy would say, I can't remember the right. exact words, but he would say, um, monkey on the stick, monkey on the stick, monkey on the stick, and you would do this little dance, <laughs> and everybody in the group would do it, and then they'll say, um, do the a hey, do the a hey, do the a and you and everybody would be doing the dance, so it's kind of like a group dance that goes with the song, and so because we're a party, you know, it's college, so you right. go to parties, so you just so, randomly sit in some like open space and someone starts start chanting a lot and everyone just kind of joins in out of the blue well so at our school you know in at our school you know we have a place called the plaza and randomly somebody a dj would be there somebody would hire a dj for an event and so the plaza is where everybody kind of congregates in the midst of classes like When you're go- right, you walk yeah. through the plaza to go to certain classes. You walk through the plaza sure, to yeah. go to the cafeteria. It's just a, a communal area. And sometimes somebody will have a DJ out there. Somebody will pay for Or somebody, uh, you know, students do the DJing as hobbies. So they'll bring their equipment out. And there you go. It's a party. <laughs> and so they'll put the speakers up. And then they play that song. And it's like, oh, yes. Um, just I remember. Out on campus, when you least expect it, there's a DJ set. Sometimes, yes. Um, there would be um Missy Elliott did a produce a song by Tweet called Oops, and right. it was about masturbation, and everybody loved it. It was hot during that time. <laughs> yeah. This was when um Beyonce was going solo, so work it out. Right, like yeah. it was so many different songs. Um, Tony Braxton. I remember there was a Tony Braxton had an album called um Oh, I don't even remember the name of the album, but it was a song called Just Be a Man About It. <laughs> and the boys who were like teasing me for being trans, they right. would sing that song at Oof. me to be rude. Just be a man about it. Yeah. And so like Gosh. while I'm in the line, like in my, if I'm in the line at the cafeteria, they would start singing it to be assholes. But I also thought it was funny, too. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It, it, it does sound a little bit counterintuitive to say you can only let people hear you as much as you let them but i'm not entirely sure that's not how if, that, if that's how it works i don't think it is yeah sometimes sometimes i don't think that always how it works but sometimes it's, it's so ridiculous that yeah. you're like you guys are buffoons sometimes it's never quite enough if you're flawless
go. Perfect by Alanis Morissette off of their um, one, their only legendary album, Jagged Little Pill, 1995. So yeah, Diamond, indulge, indulge me. Why did you pick this track? What's, what's oh, the story gosh. behind it? Gosh, that, oh, that album was when, I won't say it was when I was started to be infatuated with music. I was infatuated with music from church when I was very, very young. When my um, my choir teacher in church let me write my own song for church. But that's when I was infatuated with music. But that album of Alanis Morissette, that is when I was um, infatuated with songwriting. Right. That album was full of so many beautiful songs that spoke to my experience. Um, and that particular song, um, Perfect, is, you know, was really about, um, you know, living up to your parents' expectations, living up to what was expected of you as a boy, what was expected of you as a girl. And so my, my interpretation of that was exactly as it was written. You know, right. I'll love you just the way you are. That last line, I love you just the way you are if you're perfect. The sarcasm of that, um, we all know that nobody is perfect. So, you know, you won't ever love me just the way I am. Right, and yeah. so for a trans for a trans person coming into that, it was like, oh, wow. Like, I, I know this feeling and this is speaking to my heart. That's heavy. Yeah, that's that song was that particular, the whole album, but that particular song at the moment of my youth, I, you know, you're searching for people to love you for who you, you know, how you are instead of trying to conform and do things the right way, be a boy the right way, be a, um, you know, this is 95, this, that came out in 95. 95 is when I was literally coming in, coming of age into, literally into my transition. Right. So it was just right on time. And that, the whole album, Jesus, the whole album, yes. Kind of feel like a gut punch there. Yeah. There was the other song that you picked and you're kind of going back and forth like whether you because uh, which one of the two you would want to play. The other one would have been um, Anita Baker. Uh, yes, giving, giving Anita the best Baker. That I had. Um, um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Why would yeah. you otherwise have chosen that one and what made you choose this one over it? Well, the, the initial question was childhood memories. Right, And yeah. so, you know, Anita Baker's music in the eighties. And, um, that was, you know, I grew up in the eighties. I was born in 81. So most of my kid years were in the eighties. Right. Um, so I was like, Oh gosh. Um, you know, so Anita is a soundtrack of R and B when it comes to the eighties. So, and that particular song, um, is just a beautiful love song. The, the first lyric is, um, is it something I could give? In exchange for all you give to me, yeah. And so think about that. That's like somebody you love and you, you know, when you're out of whack and they're, um, they're um, coming and just saving the day. And then right. the, the next line is, uh, sometimes the scales are unbalanced and you bear the weight of all that has to be. Oh, and so it just gives me if only chills people thinking about the language. If only people could see the video with how much enthusiasm and passion you were singing along. <laughs> I, I love that. She's a, you know, she's a crooner, what I would consider a crooner. Right. Um, she has that jazz, soulful, sultry song. So that, that reminds me of my youth as well, you know, and being in love with love. 
But yeah, no, you said uh, the that that you started becoming infatuated with music when you started singing in church. Do you want to tell the story behind that? Oh gosh, so um, I was probably like six or seven, and um, I could sing. I could, I guess, I could hold a little note, and so, and I would sing with the choir. And I guess the choir um, director heard me, and they was like, "Well, you should be in the children's choir. Come to." rehearsal and so my aunt let me my mother wasn't particularly religious but my aunt was and so I would go to church with her and so my aunt would let me go to the choir rehearsal and I was so um presumptuous um, um no not presumptuous um precocious as a child and so the the teacher would you know she just was like oh my god you're so you're like you're adorable let me get you, what do you, what do you want to sing and she was like um And, and I was like, well, I want to sing anything. She was like, Ooh. and I so I started singing whatever. She would play on the piano and just kind of follow me. And she was like, you know, that's a song. You just wrote a song. And I was like, <laughs> oh. And it was a, here, the song goes like this. Dreaming, dreaming about you. Hoping that one day soon through the clouds you can bursting through and I really want to see you and I really want to be with you oh lord I keep dreaming about you and that's that simple song right, she yeah. put music to and um yeah she put music to it and I got to sing it in um at church and it was my song it was the first song that I ever wrote <laughs> that's impressive as a six-year-old It was just, it was just, you know, dreaming about the Lord. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, if you just remove the word Lord with anything else, it might as well just be a standard love song, so it works. Yeah, <laughs> because I didn't, you know, I grew up in church in a different kind of setting. My mother was not the church goer. So when I would go home, it's anti-church. Don't be bringing, you know, no. <laughs> right, sure. But with my aunt, it was it was a community in the church. Um You know, and of course that changed once I grew up and started to be more queer. But um, but yes, at the time it was a loving space. Did it change because you were queer? Like the, oh, like the loving space thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It started it changed because as soon as I got older and I started to be more feminine, they started to regulate how my masculinity was supposed to be performed. Right. Um, I mean, even taking me to, like literally making me go to a camp for boys to learn how to fish, to learn how to do sports, to learn how to shoot guns. Like literally those things at like nine, year, nine wow. years old. <laughs> And so what's crazy is that actually because I come from country Mississippi women. Right. I already knew how to fish and I already knew how to shoot guns. <laughs> so, so you, you know, you're trying to teach me to be more masculine and these are not things that I associate with masculinity. Yeah, I no. associate these with women, <laughs> with country sure, women yeah. who love to fish. Did your role in choir change at that point as well? Were you still doing choir at that point? So, God, I don't want it to get dark. Um, <laughs> ah. um, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, that's all right. You know, it, something happened at the church and I didn't, my, my aunt, Um, told me that I didn't have to go back, so I stopped going. Right, that makes sense. You mentioned previously in 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 in, in another conversation we had that religion, as it as in uh, in and of itself, is still a way of uh, self care. So, does religion even play a role in your life right now? Still, 
I wouldn't say religion, like the 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 organization right. of religion, but the spirituality of religion, just being spiritual and really trying to have a connection with the earth and the spirit and that kind of solace that I need in in believing in something like that, not believing in the God of the Bible, because I'm totally divested from that. Right. Um, like Christianity, I'm totally divested from that. But, you know, a spirituality and being connected to the earth and spirit within me and spirit that I feel is outside of me. Um, I think that's important. It's important for my um, my solace. Yes, it's important for me to have that kind of connection. How does that manifest itself in your daily life? You know, like when I sing, music is a part of my life. Music, music. I create music. I create songs. I create remakes. I create. I write. I I sing, and I sing with passion. And that is, I music is a part of that spirituality for me. And I think the roots come from being raised in church. Right. I think the roots of that kind of um, self care and music being a part of my self care. I think the root of it started with music that church music giving me that anointing and that whatever what we in the church call anointing that um that feeling the things that give you chill bumps when you right. hear somebody sing amazingly the thing that whatever in music that that makes your body have a physical reaction to it that is healing for me so when i put music on that's a part of my spirituality when i want to invoke um happiness when i want to invoke um even sadness because sometimes i want to cry to let to release something and sometimes i put a song on and do that yeah just um, for the purpose of for the getting, purpose of getting everything go. out yes yeah, exactly getting it so, out of your system yeah so music is an ingredient in that i really feel i'm, I'm i feel like we've got completely different experiences when it comes to church music because you know i'm also raised in like a protestant christian household and if mm. anything when my parents brought me to church and I had to sit there for an hour and listen to the Psalms, I started to like music less. Well, 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 we come from two different types of churches. Uh, that's my point. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly my point. You know, I come from a Kojic sanctified where we clapping. Uh, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah, we, we dance and clap and the drums and the music and the rhythm. Like it's exciting. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not him. <laughs> it's the. T it's it's actually feels kind of stereotypical from what we've seen of like churches um, with black people in the South of America. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in the, and sometimes stereotypes can be rooted in truth, but yeah, yeah when you go to Kojic, there are some more um, calm down. I guess calm down churches, but. You know, in the South, we call them sanctified churches. And, right. you know, a particular sector that I was in, which is a really, really conservative sector, um, conservative black sector is the Kojic, which is Church of God in Christ. That's the nature of the music. The music is supposed to move you. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's throw in our second track for today. Why Have yeah. I Lost You by Cameo. Let's talk about loneliness. You know, sometimes it can fool you into believing you're on top of the world. No one can top you or stop you. And everything you ever wanted is right at your fingertips. But as always, reality steps in and shocks you right back into the present. And all you can do is ask yourself over and over, 
why? What happened to the love that brought us both so much joy and happiness? <laughs> hey, I know things change, people change, but this hurts. I mean, really hurts. I guess it all boils down to the fact that we really didn't know each other anyway, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Say, say, wait a minute. Let me tell you exactly how I feel, okay? Tomorrow I'll be a king Blessing all my subjects Cast afar insecurities The whole wide world will watch me As I walk up to my throne Knights in shining armor Stand around to heed my call Um, off the album Cameosis 1980. So oh. I've, d- I've done some digging, and um, so Cameo would be like consistent of two main characters, so to speak. Uh, one of them is Larry, the other one's Gregory. I couldn't find out which one of them is the queer one. Okay, so. I'm glad you asked so I can give you some history why that song is important to me. Um, so there, that is a group of men. It's not just two. So Cameo is a group of a bunch of guys. And so the lead singer on that song is not neither one of the two that you just oh. named. The lead singer on that song is named Wayne Cooper. Wayne Cooper passed away in 18, not 18, <laughs> in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> in in 1984. So that came out in 1980. He passed away in 1984 of AIDS, of okay. complications with AIDS. Right. And it came out that he was gay. They lied about it and said that he got killed in a plane crash. Yeesh. But that wasn't true. Um, be, but we know because of the stigma with HIV and AIDS in 1984. Yeah, um, it's like literally in the middle of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, like, shoot, like, really early on, too. And so, you know, the the people were still scared. This is during a time when people were, uh, you know, throwing plates away that people with with HIV would, you know, drink out of. You know, this this is in the height of the stigma when it was really, really bad. And so because of 
them as a group. They didn't want people to associate their group with AIDS and gayness and stuff like that. So because they already was a little out there in regards to how they dressed and stuff like that. And so when he passed away, they lied and said he died in a plane crash and he did not. He was a queer man and he had an amazing falsetto and all of their hits, all of their hits. He 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 either sung lead or he sung um, a, a background that was amazing. Like you can hear it clearly and just like, oh, my God, whoever's doing this background is killing it. And wow. so there's a song called Sparkle. And actually on our podcast, this particular episode that's coming out on Thursday, um, I'm actually starting a new segment where I remake their song called Sparkle. Wow. Why? that particular song is important to me. It was connected to the first time that I experienced death and I don't want to turn into that, but my mother being a young mother, she didn't know how to, um, you know, she wasn't a therapist. She was young. (laughs) She was like in her early twenties and you know, she, my uncle had been killed by the police. Um, and this is in, um, maybe like 80 some, I can't remember 80 something. And so, you know, not much has changed in regards to police brutality and black nope. men, <laughs> but not in um, the slightest. And not in the slightest. So he had passed away and my mother didn't know how to kind of break it to me. So exactly she did what she thought would be the best. She put this song on, which is called, why have I lost you? And although they didn't have anything to death, the words, and she laid me in her lap and let me just cry the grief out, cry while mm-hmm. this song was playing. Cry, 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 cry. And at the end of the cry, I was so, I was so relieved for some reason, so relieved. Right. It was a, it turned from a sad moment to a beautiful moment between me and my mom. And so I associate that song with the beautiful, even though I associated with death as well, I still associated with the beautiful power and healing qualities of music and how it allowed me to re- release that grief. So I didn't spend months and months and months where I'm triggered and crying and randomly crying my mother actually let me get it out through that song and it almost felt like i had let my uncle go in peace that's very powerful yeah it was a powerful song for me i'm still not over this wayne cooper story yeah wayne cooper he does um he does he does the backgrounds on sparkle he does the lead on that song and there's a song called um shake your pants and they have (laughs) an actual video for that and they're in like cat suits and stuff and it's got shake your pants and he does like these aretha franklin riffs and runs and he's that's a more up-tempo happy song right yeah shake your pants and if you look at the video you're like how did they not know he was gay <laughs> or they probably <laughs> did the people, they probably did but they were like you know he could sing his ass off which he could yeah and so holy shit that voice is impressive yeah. here on queer sounds we only play the songs in part if you want to listen to the entire thing in this is the point where I kind of plug the playlist. Just go on Spotify, look for Queer Sounds playlist. You can find every song that's ever been on the show in the specific playlist. Why Have I Lost You by a Cameo Goat. Check it out. From there, let's talk about your own uh, queer experiences because um, you said you started transitioning when you moved to, when, when, when you went to uni. Um, what's no 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 no. i transitioned before way before that oh all right 
Take it away then. Don't let me fill in the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tra I didn't transition. I had already, that's the thing about it. I had already been in transition. I transitioned when I was 13. Oh, sure. And so that was like 95. I went to college in 2000, but I was already, I had already been, you know, living my truth for like five or six years at the time. Wow. And so, um, yeah, because it was right around 94, like right before high school. Like the, the summer before high school is when I started to change how I dressed. How were, how was your experience with that? Like being at at that young age. Um. Well, it's. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, you well, know, you got you're gonna get bullied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're gonna get yeah. bullied. You're gonna get the um, people trying to fight you. But I was a fighter as well, so like I knew how to hold my own. You do strike um, me as a feisty person. Yeah, I am. I, I do strike you as a feisty person. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am a feisty person. I've never been a person. But to me, I learned early on that, um, you know, if you just go for the gusto and fight back, it actually deters other people from bothering you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what happened to me in school. Each time I would have to go to a new school, because we moved around a lot. If I fought somebody, people would not try to bully me. And so that's what my experience was. So every time somebody tried to bully me, let's fight. Boom, 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 boom. Even if I get beat up, even they know, just the fact that they know you will fight. Yeah. It'll stop them from doing it. So that's what, that's my experience in growing up. It actually was funny because um, it just, it just became different because I was actually, you know, not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but I was actually, you know, you know, I was kind of, I was attractive. I was an attractive young girl, you know, oh. I, I wouldn't say that I was just totally passable, but I had a prettiness about me and the boys responded to that in a positive way. And so it wasn't too bad. I only had to fight one time in high school. Well, no, no, I had to fight twice, my freshman year and the end of my junior year. Yeah. So just, you know, you had people saying stuff and hollering stuff and acting funny, but in high school, it was kind of cool because I had a lot of football player friends. I had, I was dating the captain of the football team, not openly, <laughs> but I was, um, I was, I had a lot of friends that were cheerleaders and because I was trans, I was quite popular. And because I had personality, I was quite popular. I was a singer. So I was in all the choirs. Yeah. It, part of it was positive and part of it was negative, mostly positive though. Yeah. Do you have like a specific song that you associate with transitioning? That I associate with transitioning, no. Mm -mm. Okay. Certain parts or certain times of my transitioning, there are songs that I associate with certain times. Like I, so the very first time I ever went to a gay club in, you, I, don't, I hate to say in drag because it wasn't in drag, but right, in, yeah. you know. In presenting. When I was younger, I would have said in drag, right, <laughs> but yeah. that's not the right language, but it was the right language and culture at the time in 95. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you started transitioning in like 95, 93, then the, the language has changed so much. Lang has, language has changed so much. So yeah. I would have said, you know, at the time, the first time I went to the club in drag, but, um, you know, the first time I went fin presenting at, at a club, there was a song by, I think it's called Sister Sister, um, and it was super gay. It's a super gay song because it's a club <laughs> song. Um, it's called... Um, Let's talk about love. Let's talk about <laughs> joy. <laughs> oh, wow. 
I'll be your girl. If we don't keep the conversation going, you're just going to keep on singing for the entire hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so it was a, a super gay song and it was called Spin You Round Around and you everybody in the club will start spinning and twirling. Right. <laughs> so it was super gay and fun. So I would sing that song. Yes. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm very much impressed by your by our positive energy because we've talked about like every time you're going all right maybe we should shouldn't talk about this because i don't want to get too dark then we briefly touched upon it and you just go right on back into that positive singing attitude how do you do that yeah holy shit oh gosh well you know i've worked through my life traumas like i'm I'm, I'll be 40 next year. I'm 39. So I'll be 40 next year. And I transitioned when I was very young. So all the traumas have been years gone and I worked through them and I'm able to look back and not be hurt by those things. Right. I'm, I'm able to look back and see how they played a part in my life and the joy that I can find in them. And there's joy in every, not, I want to say that in, in my life, there is joy somewhere happening. Either yeah. I manifested it or somebody brought it in my life, even amongst the negative stuff. And so I've healed through my trauma. I've worked on it. I've, you know, gone through therapists, gone to, um, you know, I have been loved amazingly, platonically and romantically in my life. And so mm -hmm. I just, I just, you know, I know how to channel that happiness and that joy. And I know how to not, how to look back at traumatic things and not make it harmful for me in the moment, even reflecting. Do you have specific coping mechanisms for that? Or is it just, you know, trying to find your way through everything and all of that different types of trauma and focusing on well, the positive? Well, first, any, anything like that, like anything like bullies and people being transphobic, I, I always knew I had the higher moral ground. Okay, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> like, true. You know, I always knew that if you're racist to me or you're transphobic to me or you are sexist to me, you you are just bereft. Like you are not, you're a person with no dignity. You're a person with no empathy. You, you are the person that are the bad one. It is not mm -hmm. me. You're not going to make me feel that I, I did something wrong. And as an adult, I can look back and know that it was you. It wasn't me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna internalize that. It was you. You were the bad one. If you called me a the n word, it's because you're the racist and you wanted attention. Right. You wanted to belittle me because you are a bad person. It wasn't me. It yeah. wasn't me. I, that never translated to, oh, woe is I'm the bad person or I'm maybe I'm not good enough. It never, with those type of situations, it never translated to that. Like, I know you are the sad person. You you are trying to, you're pushing me up against the locker so you can get some cool points for people around you that don't even care about you. You are the bad person, not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, not, not, let, not let people have you internalize things. Yeah, I didn't. That's just for me. That was my, and I can't say that that was a strategy. It's just what I always knew in my brain. Like, I know I didn't do anything to them. I know that you you bullying me, if I'm five years old, oh, not five, um, say that I'm, I'm seven, and you're chasing me home because I act like a girl. It's not me acting like a girl that's the problem. Yeah. Why is me acting like a girl making you chase me home? <laughs> wow. 
that is wrong. <laughs> I wish I had your confidence at that age. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just, I just, I just knew that innately. It just was something I knew. They are the problem. And I can't say it's something that I worked on. It's just something I always knew. And I, and I knew as I got older and, and it presented itself, people come back to me. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. people in my life, for some reason, the my ancestors or whatever spiritual entity up there, karma, whatever, has allowed people to come back to me and apologize for things. Or maybe not apologize or come back and say, um, you taught me something that I didn't learn. You taught me that I how to not be trash to people. Not being trash to people should be a standard. I don't know why we're still not, why, why there's people still being dicks out there. Oh, well, they're kids. You know, kids don't always have that maturity. Okay, so for the next track, I, I'm kind of torn because you send in a song that's a cover, which isn't on Spotify. And the YouTube version, the audio quality is kind of not where I want it to be. So okay. you can play the original. Yeah, you want me to play the original or do you want something else by the artist? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, something. Oh, gosh. Some, that is a hard choice. Ooh. Yeah. Um, kind of putting you on the spot there. Yeah. I guess the easier way is to play the original because this performance was the most important part. So you can play the song, the original song. All right, then let's go with that there we go a decision has been made it's not going to be anything by Rashawn Patterson but we will talk about him for now let's listen to Love is Stronger Than Pride by Shade I won't pretend that I intend to stop of the eponymous album Stronger Than Pride by Sade released I want to say 1988 but I am not exactly sure um, <laughs> the incomparable Sade Sade oh god yeah alright but we um, 
I want to guess that there is a specific reason you chose this track, um, but then in so, the version of, of Rashawn Patterson. But. So the, in Rashawn, that was my first time going to a concert. Like I had yeah. never been to, a, um, you know, like a, I've never been to like a big stadium concert or anything like that. Sure. First of all, because I don't like being around as a trans woman, I don't really like being around crowds like that because you don't know what can pop off. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I just don't like that. But I like I like intimate settings, like more um, intimate settings where it's like a club maybe or, um, you know, I'm at like an outside small venue, something yeah. like that. And this was exactly that. And it was Rasan Patterson. Rasan is a queer um, singer. He wrote... Um, some of the your pop icon songs like when we talk about like brandy um brandy norwood it was hot on r&b and pop charts in america and um he has his own career he started off in kids inc which is an old um kids show from back in the day right, yeah yeah and he and i actually got to meet him in la oh, really like he yeah we were at a gay club and he was just going to the gay club like a normal patron sure. and and i walked past and i was like rashawn patterson and he was like yeah i was like i didn't fan out like ah, like that but i was like oh my god i love you <laughs> Like, yeah, you needed to catch a, catch a breath, get a, take a moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I love you so much. Your music inspires me. Your voice is everything. And so when I had a chance to go see him live, I went to see him live. He was there at this, it's called the Center Stage in L.A. And he sung Sade, his version of Sade, Stronger Than Pride. And it was my first live, not my first live experience, but my first um concert quote-unquote right yeah and his version like you you know you can't outdo Sade because it's her <laughs> song and she's a legend but he made it his own and it was beautiful and he had some background singers one of his background singers is amazing her name is Tony Scruggs they were doing this harmony um it's a um he starts um yeah I was trying to uh, trying to look into it like with me I was thinking you know maybe uh, he co-wrote something. That's why he, he got on there, or maybe like he. No, she just was an inspiration Shed to him. Yeah, she was an inspiration to him, and he just did the cover and got permission to do it. Right. Um. You know, and he 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 just made it. He, the arrangements was love. There was a there's a harmony. Um. Love is stronger. Then pride, and they all are harmonizing these runs, right? And yeah. it was like alto, soprano, and tenor, and they were like, Oh, it was so amazing! and it just gave me chills. And you know, there's a recording on YouTube of the, of the, um, I'll, of the, I'll put it in the show notes, yes, it was the, the, it was the link you sent me the other day, right? Yeah, right, and right. you know, the background singers are amazing. This band is amazing. He's amazing. It's like, oh, this is beautiful. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And that was my first experience at a concert. Cool. This song in and of itself, like it's also been covered by the legendary Herbie Hancock. Did you listen to that first? Yes. It's yes. so good. Like the sex mm -hmm. just goes completely like flies out of the corner. I'm loving it. Yeah, love it. I feel like we haven't even addressed the elephant in the room yet, being that you uh -huh. also have like a podcast and an extensive youtube career 
A sense of what? YouTube career backlog. Oh yeah, I've been on YouTube for ten years, twelve years actually. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. <laughs> like before YouTube was even a thing. Yeah, before YouTube was even a thing. Yeah. What what a- role did that play in your life? Like, what made you start with that? Oh wow! So YouTube actually changed my life. Not in a financial situation, because you know their algorithms are now racist and transphobic. Haven't so, they always been that? No, how be that recent in two thousand and let's say, I think like twelve. Huh. They ch- they did something to the algorithms. It used to be if you put your tags in and you set your um video upright, people can discover you just based on what you put your t- in your tags. And so, however, they changed their algorithms. People they only are showing people who make them money, like bigger YouTubers. Sure. So you're not just finding randomly finding new people like it used to be in the the related comment, the related videos. They cha- they change everything around. The problem with changing everything around content like mine, also how they did their con- how they changed their money, their revenue changed. So because my content is about being trans, even though it's nothing about sexuality and it's nothing salacious, I'm really just teaching people about trans experience and transness. Right. Because the con because the content is about being trans, they deemed it inappropriate. And so you can't put ads on videos that are inappropriate, even though it has nothing to do with sexuality. Well, even if it is about sexuality, that's not inherently inappropriate. But, exactly that too. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of the many, many, many points in which camp- capitalism is a system designed to limit queer people and queer voices. Yeah. Silence. And so it took, I, I was making maybe like a thousand dollars a month from my YouTube videos. And I was a small channel. I oh. wasn't even, at, I'm at 10,000 now, but I wasn't even at 10,000 subscribers. I think I was like, when I was at like a 5,000, I was making a cute little check because I was getting a constant new building following. And so sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. And so um, when they changed the algorithm, even like right now I have 10,000 subscribers. I only get, for some reason, only like 300 people see my videos. That's absurd. Three to five. That's three to five. And people will hit me up and say, oh, my God, I haven't seen a video of yours. And I'm like, I've been making videos. And they'll say, oh, my God, it wasn't showing up in my feed. And so it really took my money down. And at the time I was living off of YouTube. And so it it, it went from a thousand dollars a month to um, like three hundred dollars a month. And who can live off of that? Yeah. And so I went and got a job, of course. <laughs> and so um, I kind of got I kind of backed off with YouTube a little bit. Um, and then I started my podcast, Marsha's Plate, and mar- podcasting is kind of a new medium. It's still familiar, kind of like radio, but it's a new medium online, and so it doesn't have, it hasn't been capitalized out of, you know, it's some, some have, but it yeah, hasn't it's getting there. Been, been to the point where it's um, just being crazy, and so you know, I'm able to control it a little bit better. So we get like 15,000 listeners a month and I have not headlined, but I've done a live show for World Pride in New York last year. I have been featured on The Root. I have been featured on Essence. I have been featured on BET as a producer. I have been, it had just opened up so many as a writer 
um, just so many doors for me in expanding my brand and my talent. And, you know, I, I get to show off my music because I do all the music on my podcast. Any music that's on it, I I do all of it. So, and in, so in in there, if, if you're going to get like gigs for, for companies, um, kind of falls back on the word that 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 we that we used earlier being tokenism like to what extent is is that actually the case and do you mind because if you can live of it and you're contributing to black trans visibility then yeah when you're paying me i don't think it's um i don't care about being tokenized right when you're paying me you know now if you're just having me stand up there hi i'm a trans person but when you're paying me to do what i want to do and say yeah. what i want to say I don't think that's tokenism. Okay. I feel like if you just have me up here standing as a trans person waving, hi, we have a trans person on stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at our trans. <laughs> that's for me, that's tokenism. But if you say, hey, we want to pay you, particularly like Spotify, um, we want to pay you um, $5,000 to do a 30-minute show a 30 minute version of your show that we're going to put on our right. platform and you can talk about whatever you want we just want to give you the platform which is what sure, they yeah. did is pride i don't find that to be tokenizing because you're letting okay. me do what i want and you're paying me <laughs> sure but with that then that kind of falls under how do you how would you define tokenism Because to me, oh, like, tokenism is if you're just doing it for me, how I define it is if you just have me in a spot to have me for the optics. Right. Like to make yourself it, look better. Right. And there's no benefit for me. Right. But and you are controlling the narrative. Okay. Like if I can't call out white supremacy, if I can't call out sexism, if I can't oh, call yeah. out transphobia, if I, if I can't do that stuff on your platform, then and you just want me there then you're tokenizing me but if i can call the stuff out and i can say what i want and i have the free reign to do to be diamonds fully diamond styles in this space and you're giving me the platform i don't think that's tokenism tokenism to me is this you just want me to use me for the optics yeah it's uh kind of you're you're not being used as a person you're they're not amplifying your voice you're just being used as a prop as a prop exactly If you love each other, it doesn't matter what you are, you will find each other. I'm going to make you laugh again Got one smile and 
There we go. Oh, Hunt. Tank and the Bangers. Uh, released 2013 off of their album Think Tank. Um, apparently, I have heard this song before because it was in some closing credits of a uh, of, of, of Bojack Horseman at some point, but I don't remember. Mm. Um, anyway, why did you why did you choose this track? Why what what? Tell me about it. So the version that you played is the version for that album. And I didn't actually buy the album until later. So the, the version that made me fall in love with the song, it was a live version. And I just love the, I love how every time I listen to Tank and the Bangers, when they do their songs live, every recording that you hear of them doing it live from like their teeny desk concert or um, the one that the version that I heard um, which, I, which, is, which I think is for Solaris. Um, uh, Any time that they do it live, it is totally different. They are oh, really? such, yes, it, they are such artists that it's just different every time you hear it. The the rhythm, the tempo, like the live, the, um, the album version that you just played, that one is more, um, there's a whimsical a childlike aesthetic to it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the way, you know, the st- the staccato way the piano plays. Yeah, and- the um the way that version is is a little um whimsical, but there's a more soulful version that they do. There's a more hip hop version that they do. They they just do so many versions because they're an amazing um they're just an amazing band and Tank is so creative. Um, and they're from New Orleans and I freaking love the the music of New Orleans and people from New Orleans because of their uh, musical sensibility. And so I love people with that kind of artistry, that type of creativity. And I also love when you revamp a, um, a popular song because that's not a remake, but there's a sample in there of an old um, Denise Williams song called Silly. Silly of me to think that you could ever love the things I know. Yeah, so it's like an old R&B song. Oh. Um, she used to be a background singer for Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, um, so that song, um, Heart, Oh, heart, stop making a fool of me. That song is a part of Denise Williams' song. Oh. I mean, that part is a part so of So, like, it's a lyric sample. Yeah, it's a lyric sample. And even the melody is the same, Just but they just kind of, you know, recreated it. And, um, you know, I love when people do that in a more, in a brilliant way that is just not a direct copy. Not that I don't like covers. I like covers, but mm, I love when you take something that I know and just interpret it in your artist, art, artful way. Yeah. And so they have done that. They do that constantly and they are like a new discovery and I just love them. Yeah, I feel like it when when you give little nods, little homages to like any artist from the past, it feels like it creates a sense of continuity in the entire musical canon. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it lets me know where where your artistry is pulled from because yeah. we all are inspired by somebody else. We all have artists. Like if I said my top five artists, you I, you know, when we talk about 
there's going to be people that you don't know that I listen to, like a Dolly Parton, a Loretta Lynn, a Dixie Chicks. Um, you know, even like when I tell people that I love a, one of my top five albums is Jagged Little Pill by Lance Morrison. Like some people may not think that because my my voice is so soulful when I sing right. um, and it has no like almost like a, a a trigger where you think that there's a connection there. But um but there is, they, they inspired my lyricism. They inspired so many things. And so when I hear people put little nuggets um, into, um, into their music, I love it because it lets me know what all inspired you. And, you know, I like people with a eclectic sense of music, musicality. Yeah. And, you know, when you're inspired by someone, whether or not you show it, it's still, it's still there. So you might as well just acknowledge that you're inspired by that artist through a little little nugget and little nod little tip of the hat yeah, like that and actually it. own up to it and you know give credit where credit's due um before we wrap up there is one question that's uh, i've got left to ask which is how does music reflect your queerness how does music reflect my queerness gosh so when I create music, when I create art, when I create musical art, because I'm a trans woman and I was assigned male at birth, there are some nuances about my voice that are not typical to um, cisgender women. I'm gonna have a lower register. Um, I'm gonna have how I use my instru instrument is gonna be um, quite different in, in the sense of, you know, I'm not going to sound exactly like a cisgender woman would sound, but I had to learn that, you know, this is my voice. This is the voice that I was born with. And unless I go get some surgeries to change it, which I'm not going to do because I don't want to mess up my singing voice. Um, so this is the voice that I have. And so I have to use it and use it with power and intention. And, and I had to learn that, yo, this is my voice. I'm a woman, regardless of how deep it is, regardless of how high I can go, how low I can go, whatever. I'm going to deliver this song. I'm going to, whatever song that I'm singing, I'm going to deliver this song. It could be in a lower key. It could be in a higher key. It could be, you know, whatever it is, but you're going to feel it. You're going to appreciate it. I'm going to do what I need to do to deliver the, the passion of the song. And so... Yeah, any music that I put out, any music that I record, I'm going to give you the passion. I'm going to give you um, the uniqueness of my voice. And that's how, you know, that's the queerness of my musicality. It's like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do, you know. Beautiful. I hope you like it. Beautiful. Um, with that, this has been Queer Sounds um featuring diamond styles check out uh marcia's plate also i want to go ahead and plug my patreon page that's patreon.com slash queer sounds um you can get some stickers there you can even decide if there's going to be one of your favorite tunes on a future episode if Yay. you know you pay me enough <laughs> And yeah, uh, what else? Am I forgetting something? Oh yeah, and if you like this podcast, of course, go ahead and tell a friend. This has been Queer Sounds. You'll hear from me in the next episode. And thank you all for listening. And, you know, obviously, Diamond, thank you for coming by. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers.